Dear congregation, I'll read two verses of the scripture we have read just before, and then I'll read Lord's Day 9. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heaven made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Matthew 3.17 And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Please open Lord's Day 9, because I'm, the sermon will mostly follow the structure of Lord's Day 9, so it is better to keep Lord's Day 9 open. Lord's Day 9. <clears throat> Question 26. What believest thou when thou sayest, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who of nothing made heaven and earth, with all that is in them, who likewise upholds and governs the same by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father, on whom I rely on in, retire so entirely that I have no doubt, but he will provide me with all things necessary for soul and body, and further, that he will make what, whatever evils he sends upon me in this valley of tears turn out to be my advantage. For he is able to do it, being almighty God, unwilling being a faithful father. A child depends on parents. A weeping soul leans on a shoulder for comfort and support. An elderly relies on the caregivers. A young and strong man seems self-sufficient, but he relies on his job. We all need to depend on something or someone. When the things or people we depend on are shaky or unstable, we are fearful. What and whom are you relying on? Sometimes our hearts are deceitful. We say we rely on something or somebody, but actually we rely on something else. Today, we'll echo this morning's sermon message. The word of God proclaim God as the Father, the Creator, and commands you to rely entirely on him in all things. The theme today is God, the Father, the Creator. The first thought is that Father is Father to Jesus, and he's a creator, creator of the world. A second thought is that Father to us, 
and upholder of our sorrows. The Word of God proclaims that God is the Father and the Creator, and He commands us to entirely depend upon Him. First, God is God the Father to Jesus and the Creator of the world. I believe in God the Father. This is parallel with the second article of the Apostles' Creed and also parallel with the eighth article. The second article is, uh, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And eighth is, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So this is triune structure. So the first article is about the Father. And this Father is Father to Jesus Christ. This is first and foremost meaning of the Father. God is all-sufficient and could be all by himself alone. But God has a Son. God the Father is relational. What is the fatherhood like in Trinity? Although there are three persons, we focus only on two persons, especially on the fatherhood of the Father. The Father indwells in the Son, and the Son in the Father. Jesus Christ says in John 17, 21, Thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. Husband and wife relationship is already very intimate. They can live together, they share their life together, but they're still separable by death. But God the Father and God the Son are one eternal. Jesus said that I and my Father are one. Father and Son are mutually indwelling in each other from eternity. The relationship between the Father and the Son is very intimate. In such indwelling with each other, they have full communion with each other. Jesus says in John 5, 19, 20, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself does. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. The Father and the Son also have mutual delight with each other. As Puritans often cite Proverbs 8, 30, 
Then I, referring to wisdom, in turn the Son of God, was by him, referring to God, as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Such joy is daily and always, and both of the two persons always delight in each other, rejoicing over each other. This verse and the context shows that the two persons were working together at the creation, and they work with joy, delight, and constant joy. The father also loved the son. And what is this love like between father and son? The father sends his son to the earth to suffer and even hellish death. This is related with the love of God, the father of the, the God the Father. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, a ministry that definitely includes the climax of cross, God the Father introduced Jesus Christ, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Near the end of Jesus' journey on the earth, when Jesus transfigured himself, God the Father tells the disciples, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. Two times the beloved is related to the missionary work of Jesus. We know that God's love towards his people was manifested by Jesus dying for sinners. But did God pause his love to his only begotten Son so that the Father can love us? No. The crucifixion is the very means that God the Father designed to glorify his Son. Jesus Christ, right before his crucifixion, was praying to God the Father, and he was praying about glorification. John 17, 1, Jesus says, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. Then in verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. In this deepest affliction, Jesus Christ showed forth his profound obedience to his Father and unsearchable love to sinners. The Father displayed how lovely his Son was. His sinlessness, humility, tenderness, forgiveness, 
and the long suffering. In the darkest night, the sun of righteousness was shining. Jesus loved his Father so much that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of cross. The Father so loved the Son that the Father designed all things, even including the cross, for his Son that his fa- the Father can highly exalted him and given him a name which is about every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Father. God the Father uses the suffering and even the death of Jesus Christ to glorify his dear Son. No man could understand the design behind such tragedy. Not even the disciples of Jesus Christ could. God the Father is delighted in his Son, Jesus Christ, and desires to glorify his Son. God loves us so much that he gives his only begotten Son But salvation is not the end goal. (coughs) Salvation is for the glory of Jesus Christ and the glory of God. The purpose is glory of triune God. For of him and through him And to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. God the Father so loved and glorified his only Son. Have you seen the divine fatherhood? He is relational. He indwells in the Son, has full communion with the Son, delights in the Son, loves, and glorifies his Son. God is the Father of Jesus who made all things for the Son and designed all things, including the cross, to his dear, beloved Son. I believe in God the Father, the Father of Jesus Christ. The Apostles' Creed continues to say, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, God is God of the Creator. God of nothing made heaven and earth with all that is in them, who likewise upholds and governs the same by the eternal counsel and providence. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God 
created the heaven and earth. The heaven and earth had a beginning, and before the beginning, there was nothing except God. Out of nothing, God made heaven and earth. Hebrew eleven three says, "Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. All the world was made by the word of God. All the reality we see is actually done by the word of God. The word of God is ultimate." Reality and truth, and the reality we see around us comes from the reality of the word. Jesus says, "I am the truth." All the reality may perish, but the word of God will not. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words, Jesus says, shall not pass away. Reality is fragile, but the word of God is firm. The word of God made the world, explains the world, and is the only correct lens perspective to view and understand the world. Evolutionists reject the glory of God in the creation. They think there is no God. They observe the created world and try to give different explanations. They see the similarities between the species and are convicted that they have the same common ancestors, which are simpler than these species. The things now we see were made of things which do appear. They conclude in the contrary of Hebrew eleven three. Imagine some ants have never seen a human being. One day they found an abandoned bicycle, abandoned motorcycle, and a car. The ants analyze the similarities. But they firmly reject the possibility of any higher intelligent designs. They reason that over years, bicycles evolved into motorcycles, and motorcycles into cars. They further reason that even the bicycle may be evolved from even simpler cycle. Then they find a unicycle. And this discovery greatly confirms their belief that these cycles were all evolved from the unicycle. They admit that the possibility to evolve from unicycle to bicycle, or even to the motorcycle, is very, very low. But all things are possible by chance, if given millions or billions of years. Time and chance. Seems almighty. All things are possible if time and chance are given sufficiently. Some people do not believe in evolution.
but believe theistic evolution. They believe that God is the creator of the world, but He created in the process of evolution over millions of years. They try to use Second Peter three eight to reinterpret Genesis one and two. Second Peter three eight says, "One day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and one thousand years as one day." Such reinterpretation has conflicts with the context of Genesis one and two, and also with other parts of the Scripture. The Hebrew word "day," when used with a number, in the Bible, always means a normal, regular, twenty-four-hour day, unless the context clearly in- indicates otherwise. Genesis also repeats the evening and the morning, and this phrase is repeated six times. Before each day, if God if God refers the days in Genesis as thousands of years, then God is saying that the evening and morning of the first thousand years, that one thousand year has one evening and one morning. Besides these, there are five more scriptural difficulties these theistic evolutionists cannot answer well. More importantly, theistic evolution implies death before sin of Adam. Numerous deaths of animals should have occurred. Even before humankind was evolved, there would be no original sin of Adam. Adam no longer was a representative of the humankind, and likewise, the last Adam will no longer be the representative of the elect, because Paul connects such. Headship of Adam with the headship of Jesus. If Adam's representation of the humankind falls, the last Adam falls as well. Jesus, if this is the case, Jesus could not suffer on behalf of his people. And could not impute his righteousness to his people. What Jesus did on the cross was only for himself at best, and we would have no benefits from the blood of Jesus. We have to earn our salvation. And we are hopeless. No human being was present at the beginning of the creation of the world. Only Triune God was the witness, 
and he did not, he does not lie. The word of God witnessed that it was God who created heaven and earth. The Holy Spirit says God was almighty in his creating merely by the command. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that has life and full that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. God made these things instant in power. Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord was the heavens made and by the host of them, by the breath of his mouth. God made man in his own image, distinct from all other creatures. God made man authority over all other creatures by giving man knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. First Adam had the image of God, but the true image, express image of God is last Adam, Jesus Christ. God created all things for Adam in Genesis 1 and 2. But later, we know that actually God created all things for his only begotten son, Jesus. God gave Adam the representative right of humankind and also gave Jesus Christ to be the representative of God's adopted sons. Because of Jesus Christ, the misery of sinners will be completely reversed. The new heaven and new earth are coming, and God's people will be praising forever. This is God of the Creator. Praise to Him forever. God is also God, the Father of Jesus Christ, and through Him, Father of us, believers of Jesus Christ. The Lord's and I says, the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father, on whom I rely on entirely, that I have no doubt but he will pro provi provide me with all things necessary for soul and body. Such wonderful God the Father now is my Father. father of a believer. It is not a wish or even a desire. It is the reality. Father-son relationship implies intimate communion, joy, and love. God made Adam in knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness and communed with him about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Seeing all creation and the crown of creation, Adam,
God was re rejoicing and saw that it is good. God loved Adam by giving Adam Eve and power and authority over his creation on earth and even eternal life implied by the tree of life. In such a father-son-like relationship with Adam, Adam, beloved Adam, rebelled. Intimate communion broke down immediately. When the voice, voice of God walk, walked in the garden, Adam and Eve hid themselves, and the joy was replaced by fear. Love was replaced by blaming and even blaming God. Thou hast provided Eve for me. Such breakdown is not only from Adam's side. God the Father had to let Adam leave. God was joyful before, but now curse is on the ground. But God still loved Adam by making coats of skins and clothed them. He sent Adam and Eve forth. We were like Adams, and sometimes even now are like Adam. We may not enjoy the communion with God in reading the Bible and in prayer. For some people, even going to worship God on Sabbath days is a burden. We were far from loving God with all our hearts. We delight in many things, but often we do not delight in God himself. Unbelievers are all like this. And even believers backslide in this kind of condition. Communion, joy, love is broken. The human beings lost intimate communion, joy, and love towards God the Father. How can it be that God the Father is my God, your God, and your Father? It is the Father's will. God the Father predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace.
It is God the Father's clear will that we as believers will be adopted by God to be the sons of God to the praise of the glory of His grace. These people's sins will be forgiven and their lives will be redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, His only Son. The purpose is very clear in the mind of God. And also the way, the method is also very clear. The blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 5.20, For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself does. And he will show him great works than these that ye may marvel. God the Father showed to his Son all things that himself does, especially about salvation. God the Father shows Jesus the painful hours in Gethsemane and shows the crucifixion and the resurrection. God the Father will prepare a body for the Son, and by His blood and hellish death, many will be redeemed and will be adopted. The Son of God says in Psalm, Psalm 47, 8, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Ye, thy law is within my heart. Galatians 4, 4 through 6 say, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. By such crying, Abba, Father, a new life was born. A dry and dead branch was engrafted to the tree of life. Christ the Son of God, through the Holy Spirit, continuously supply his life to these adopted sons. Jesus, in dwelling with God the Father, communing with him, delighting in him, love of God the Father, and desire to glorify God, start to flow like a river in the belly of a believer, a son of God. We do all things for the glory of God. We enjoy the delight in God. Christ tells us to pray that our Father, which art in heaven. And such conversion is because of this Christ through the Spirit. Such a newborn baby is crying, Abba, Father, came with huge price. 
Sometimes we see a baby was born at the expense of the death of the mother. If you are in a critical condition that you have to make a choice to preserve the life of the baby or the life of your wife, what a heartbreaking decision you have to make. God the Father, let his son to drink the cup of hell so that these people may live. God the Father has willed that his beloved son will be resurrected. But what hellish pain his only son will go through. If you have a medical skill that you can heal completely a cut-off arm, as if nothing happened to that arm, are you willing to let your son's arm to be sawed live completely off in front of your eyes? His son experienced hell on the cross. The hellish pains combined for all the adopted sons. We cannot endure the pains of hell due to each of us. But Jesus, with our flesh, he endured millions of millions of hellish pains and experienced such pain in a short period of time. The combined weight of hell's pain pierced in a short time. The eternity seems concentrated in a short time and pierced through this Holy One who knew no sin, who should be most far away from the curse of God. Jesus became cursed so that we can become sons of God. A baby was born with huge price. Are you worried about new life? as a child of God? Do you doubt whether God the Father will provide all things necessary for your soul and body after he gave birth to you in a, such a huge way? Matthew 9, verse 2 through 6 says, says about a story of Jesus healing a sick man. Behold, they brought to him Jesus, a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, says unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemous. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? 
For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of God, Son of Man, has power on earth to forgive sins. Then says he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. Forgiveness of sins costs God everything. But healing this man is easy. Almost nothing. Do you affirm from the bottom of your heart with the head of a category catechism on whom I rely so entirely that I have no doubt, but he will provide me with all things necessary for soul and body? Are you sure of his promise in Romans 8, 32? He that spared not his only begotten son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Heidelberg Catechism continues to say, and further, that he will make Whatever evils he sends upon me, and in this valley of tears turn out to be my advantage, for he's able to do it, being almighty God, and willing, being a faithful father. God, the father, is the upholder of our sorrows. Let's sing Psalter 402. 402 verses 2 and 4.
God the Father, the Creator. Father to Jesus, Creator of the world. Father to us. And upholder of our sorrows. From the height and sweetness of being adopted as sons of God, we now face the reality of go down to the valley of tears. Imagine that we walk along the river of tears in the valley. The river is filled with tears shed by children of God. There is a preeminent place in such a valley, and we see Gethsemane. Hebrew five, verses seven and eight say, "Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared." Though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. In such an emotional moment, deepest sorrows of all, God the Father, with was with Jesus through the ministering angel. This is my beloved son. In whom I'm well pleased. God's Father to His Son has never changed. God the Father will glorify His Son. The Father released His wrath due to us to His only begotten Son. The Life Himself died, but. Millions of new lives were born. The Son of God died, but millions of sons were adopted. The Way Himself died, but the ladder to heaven was erected. In this darkest moment, the glory of God, the Son of God, was revealed. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The greatest tragedy brought forth the greatest blessing. And the greatest pain produced the greatest gain. For God is able to do it, being Almighty God, and willing, being a faithful Father. God the Father upholds and governs all things by His eternal counsel and providence, so that His beloved Son. Might be glorified. From this most prominent place in the Valley of Tears, we move on.
to some less prominent places. We see the pit where Joseph cried to his wicked brothers. God the Father made all things well so that all the trials Joseph received from God turned to his advantage and salvation of many. Naomi and Ruth were so sorrowful at the death of their husband and sons, but their tragedy ended with David because God the Father has not left them this day without a kinsman. King David pleaded with heavy sorrow because his child with Bathsheba was dying. God the Father gave him Solomon, a son for them to delight in. If we move on to the even lesser prominent places, we see ourselves. We remember our tears in the past. We know in heart the advantage we have gained from that painful experience. From our heart, we echo Isaiah 61.3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. How is the proportion between the pain and the gain? Is it similar so that the total is zero? No. Second Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Glory is far greater than the affliction. If you experience great affliction, you can expect to be worked by God even greater glory. Moving along the valley of tears, we see likeness of our experience with that of Jesus Christ. Such similar experience have reason. We are like branches on the vine. God the Father is a husbandman. The husbandman let the vine go through the cross, death and the resurrection, and the branches will be similar if that branch is a true branch of this vine. The God, the Father, glorified the only begotten Son by the cross, and the Father will glorify the adopted sons by light afflictions of little crosses. 
Romans 8, 17 says, If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For he is able to do it, being almighty God, and willing, being a faithful father. Oh, our Father, whose love surpasses our understanding, are you relying on him entirely to provide and to uphold? Are you acknowledging him as your Father? Are you like a baby in the arms of your Father, and you trust whatever your Father brings to you is for your good? Are you confessing him as the creator? You owe everything to him. The earth you are standing on, the air you breathe in, the spouse you marry, the children you enjoy, you receive from him all things, and sometimes sorrows as well. But do you trust him that he gave you afflictions so that he can work for you far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Creatures come to worship the Creator. Fallen sons of Adam come to the only Son of God, your kinsman, and believe in him. Sons of God come to delight and have communion with God the Father. The Word of God proclaims God the Father, the Creator. And He commands us to rely entirely on Him for your salvation and for all things in this life and the life to come. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, our Creator, Thou owe us nothing and we owe thee everything. We thank thee again. We bow our head to the dust again. For the glory of God the Father, for the glory of the Son of God, and for the glory of the Spirit. Come, triune God. Work in us, even through afflictions, that eternal weighty glory, that thy name be hallowed, thy Son may be glorified, and we praise the name of the Spirit. Our God, when we backslide, to be shy away from thy communion, 
from rejoicing in thee. Spirit, come and help us. Make us delight in thee and make us joyful because thou art God the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth. Bless us, this congregation, and convert us because thou desires to glorify thy Son. We pray in precious Son's name, Jesus. Amen.